Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Inc. Heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. And if you're new to the show, we deal with consumer issues. That's, uh, we'll do some reviews, we'll go over some recalls, anything product or service related, that's what we do here on the show. So if you have any ideas of any products or services you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you have any comments or you want to put in your input about how you feel about a product or service you have heard on the show, you can email me at ConsumerReviewReport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at ConsumerReviewReport and Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. All right. Well, we've just had a one beautiful weekend this weekend. Glad that we can enjoy the weather and go outside and, you know, enjoy some fresh air. So, uh, but, you know, we're not talking about any of that on the show this week. <laughs> it's just, I guess I'm trying to break the ice here about talking about the weather. But on this week's uh, show, I want to talk about computers now, I guess in May, Windows 10 got an update that has some new changes. Uh, so we'll hear from Theo Joe, which we've heard uh, on the show before, uh, from his video on YouTube on what the best new changes were uh, in May. Now, I am assuming that everybody is up to Windows 10 now because I know at work, we had to transition from Windows 7 to Windows 10 because uh, Windows was not going to support uh, Windows 7 anymore as far as updates and security and whatnot. So I assume everybody is on Windows 10 now except for maybe a couple people that haven't heard about the update or whatnot, <laughs> you know. So uh, anyway, so I guess there was some changes in May, so we'll hear about those. And also, uh, do you turn off your computer every night uh, to, to conserve energy? Well, according to Brightside and a video they posted on YouTube, if you don't want the inconvenience of turning off the computer every night, they list other options to conserve energy without leaving the computer on. Now, I know that's basic computer 101 stuff, but there may be some different levels of computer knowledge out there. And, um, you know, this might be handy information for some. So we're going to go ahead and air the audio from that video as well. Now, later in the show, um, now that we're getting into the vacation season, are timeshares a viable vacation option? Maybe or maybe not. So we'll hear from a December issue from a Consumer Report magazine article titled Trouble in Timeshare Paradise by Barbara Peterson and also hear some audio from, you know, various videos posted on YouTube about timeshares and maybe it'll make you a little bit more educated about if this is the route that you want to go for your vacation. 
But for now, uh, let's go ahead and get to the computer stuff. And also, I always preclude the uh, show by saying that we used to do the recent recalls, um, but we're not going to list those unless there's something really important out there, then we will uh, mention that on the show. But if you want to know about any recent recalls that's been happening lately, you can go to my Facebook page at Consumer Review Report. I have them listed on there. Or you can go directly to uh, www.recalls.gov slash recent and you can get any recent recalls there as well. So I don't have any... Uh, really important recall, so we're going to just go right into the show. So the first sound we're going to hear is the video from Theo Joe, the audio from that video, Windows 10 Major May Update, Best New Changes. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. What's up everyone? Just recently, Microsoft released the latest major update to Windows 10, which they do about twice a year. And this one has significantly more changes than the one back in November, so there's a lot to look forward to. As usual, I wouldn't really recommend updating to this major update immediately unless you see a feature you really want, because there are usually some bugs that need to be worked out though. Before we jump in, I want to let you know about today's sponsor, Bitdefender, and their latest product, Bitdefender Total Security 2020. More than just an antivirus, it's a complete security suite covering all major platforms, namely Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android. It's highly rated by independent labs and won product of the year from AV Comparatives and won best protection and best performance from AV Test. We can go into more details about all the features a little later, but be sure to check out the link in the description where you can get a special extended four month free trial for new users in the US and Canada, which will cover up to five of your devices. And having said that, let's get into those Windows features. We'll start off with what I'd consider the more significant changes, and there are actually quite a few. First of all, there's Cortana. Now, I don't use Cortana at all myself, but it has been significantly redesigned to appear more like a chat-based UI. So when you click the Cortana button in the taskbar, you can type in questions as if it's some kind of live chat, and the responses will look that way too. You can also move and resize the Cortana window like any other normal window, so Cortana is more like a regular app now. Now, for those of you who are more advanced users who are familiar with the Windows Subsystem for Linux feature, we have big news. There is now a new version, Windows Subsystem for Linux 2, with a brand new architecture that includes a full custom-made Linux kernel from Microsoft that can be used for running Linux programs within Windows. This kernel apparently has been updated for size and performance and can actually be updated right through the Windows update as well. Importantly though, this new version with the kernel also has what's called full system call compatibility, which is a bit technical, but you can pause and read what it means here if you are so inclined. The new kernel is apparently also two to 20 times faster than the previous subsystem, depending on the task. Now to get Windows Subsystem for Linux 2, you first need to download the custom kernel from Microsoft's site, and then make sure you have a Linux distro installed from the Windows store like Ubuntu, and then just convert it to using WSL2 using a command. Okay, moving on. 
The next change has to do with Windows search indexing. Apparently, a lot of people were complaining that the indexing service was taking up a lot of resources. So now Windows will automatically detect peak usage times on your computer and then optimize when it runs the indexer so it's less likely to happen when the computer is in use. All right, the next feature is in the accounts menu called require Windows Hello Sign-In and is literally what it says. You basically can make your Microsoft account and Windows passwordless by forcing you to use a secondary form of identification like the pin, face unlock, fingerprint, or something else, one of these other Windows Hello features. The idea is these methods are tied to your device, not your Microsoft account. So if the credentials are stolen, they can't be used to access your whole Microsoft account from anywhere. And if your device is stolen, they only have a couple tries to guess your pin, for example, so it wouldn't be able to access your device in that that case either. Okay, the next feature is kind of interesting, which is if you ever have to reset your PC, which basically reinstalls Windows, you'll now have the option to do a cloud download, which downloads the Windows files from the web, ensuring that when it's reinstalled, you'll have the latest files and updates. So it might be advantageous compared to just restoring with local files and then having to update everything again. Next, Windows now has built-in support for network cameras, such as certain security cameras. You basically would go to settings, devices, and then choose add other device, and it will find any supported IP cameras, and then you can view the stream right in Windows. Apparently the camera has to be what's called ONVIF compliant, for it to be supported though. Another useful feature when it comes to pairing Bluetooth devices is a new quick pair functionality. Basically, certain supported Bluetooth devices when in pairing mode can now just be put close to the computer and Windows will automatically pop up a little notification asking if you want to pair with it. So it should be a lot easier than having to dig through menus and search for it manually. But this is only on supported certain Bluetooth devices with this feature built into it. If you use built-in Windows apps a lot, one useful new feature is back in the accounts menu under sign-in options called Restart Apps. Basically, if you sign out of Windows when certain apps are running, this will make it so they will be saved and automatically reopened when you sign back in. So it should be useful if you always end up using the same stuff and it's less convenient to have to restart all the apps you use every single time you start up Windows, it'll just do it automatically. And now we have a pretty major change that might not be obvious because it's kind of a background change, which is the new Windows Display Driver Module or WDDM version 2.7. This is an update to the Windows graphics driver architecture which has to do with how the GPU interacts with the operating system. This new version promises to improve gaming performance, video output behavior, and general performance increase on multi-monitor setups especially. The thing about the multi-monitor is one I'm definitely looking forward to because I have noticed when you're dragging windows around, it can be kind of laggy if you drag them around on a second monitor. So for some reason, I don't know what it is. So this should hopefully improve that. And this new version also supports what's called hardware accelerated GPU scheduling, which basically just handles video memory management, which should apparently improve average game FPS and reduce video playback lag. All right, now before we continue to some of the more minor feature additions, which are actually still really cool though, let me tell you more about today's sponsor. Like I mentioned before, Bitdefender Total Security 2020 has a wide array of features, such as network threat prevention, which can stop attacks before they begin by blocking malicious attempts on system vulnerabilities and brute force attacks and more. Plus, there's advanced threat defense, which among other things, can detect suspicious processes based on their behavior. It also has multi-layer ransomware protection, which keeps your important files safe even from the most advanced ransomware attacks. This includes ransomware remediation, which basically instantly backs up any files it detects is trying to be encrypted by some ransomware and restores it after the malware is blocked. 
And on top of all that, there's even a VPN included for securing your internet connection through an encrypted tunnel. With that, you get 200 megabytes per day per device of bandwidth, but it is upgradable to premium. So again, be sure to check out the link in the description for an extended four month free trial if you're a new user based in the US and Canada. Okay, so now we can get into some of the many little new features in the Windows update, which a lot of times are actually the coolest, I think. First of all, there are some additions to the performance tab in the task manager. There, it will now show whether a drive is an SSD or HDD alongside the drive name, which might just be helpful. And also in this tab, it will now show your GPU temperature. Keep in mind for this to show up, you might need to update your graphics drivers for it to work. That's how it was for me because I had an ancient driver, but it did show up after updating. Next, in the Windows game bar, which can be accessed when playing a game by pressing Win plus G, there's a new FPS counter in the performance overlay. So there's no more need to be running a third party software to see how your computer is performing for a certain game. It will just show a little graph of the last minute or so and how well it's been doing in terms of FPS. Another change is how you can limit Windows update bandwidth usage. Before you could set a limit for download speed usage based on percentage, but now in the advanced options, you can set an absolute number in megabits for how much you want it to use and whether it's running in the background or not. One very small new feature has to do with the virtual desktops you can rename them now and even add emojis to them. Yep. Next up, a couple changes with the taskbar search button. Now when you click it, the resulting menu will show some new quick search buttons such as weather, top news, today in history, new movies, stuff like that. It might be different depending on the day, but it's pretty self-explanatory. I also noticed in this menu, it now shows your Microsoft rewards points balance. So if you use those, you can keep track of them here now. Okay, moving on. If you've ever wanted to change your mouse sensitivity, you can now do that in the regular main settings menu under devices and then mouse. Before, you would have to go to the old interface through the control panel, which you can still do, but this might be easier to find. Though it does seem if you want to disable mouse acceleration, aka pointer precision, you still need to access that old menu, unfortunately. And finally, another new feature having to do with the mouse is in the ease of access menu and then under text cursor. You can basically add a little colored indicator to that little blinking cursor line when typing stuff so it makes it easier to see, and then you can customize the color and size of it now. So just a cool little thing in case you you ever wanted to use that. So hopefully you found some of these features useful and I want to give a final thanks to Bitdefender for sponsoring this video and again be sure to check that link out. All right so uh, most of that was gobbledygook for me um, but it may have been helpful for most of the people out there uh, to know what were the updates uh, in the May update of Windows 10. Um, all I got out of it was how you could adjust the mouse, I guess, and because I don't play games on the computer or anything like that. So, but there were some features that helped with that, and uh, so uh, hopefully that was some uh, helpful information. And that was from posted from Theo Joe, and I'll tell you, they're getting smarter about these ads. Um, <laughs> it used to be that they would talk and then. They would play an ad and then talk and then play an ad. And so I was able to get around that to where I could just get the full audio. And now that he has ads, that he talks about the ads in between him talking about the info that he's talking about. Uh, they're getting smarter about the get, <laughs> getting those ads across over YouTube. So I could not avoid... Uh, putting the bit defender on there but uh, you know I do use his video so I should probably air his uh, sponsors as well so 
uh, just to give you an update on what's going on there. All right, so the next uh, audio from a video called Turn Off Your Computer Every Night, Here's Why. Uh, this was posted by Brightside. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Portable air conditioners are inherently inefficient appliances. Now, Okay, so this sometimes happens with my, um, my sound pad. Whatever I had there in that position uh, last week or the week before, it sometimes wants to air that again, even though I loaded the new one. So we're going to try this again. Let's see if we can play the correct audio. So that's a little glitch that my sound pad has. So just let you know that. So let's go ahead and try again. Well, you probably heard that turning your computer off for the night can be harmful for it. But you must have also heard the conflicting point of view, that you should actually turn it off when not using it for long. So what's the right thing to do then? Well, turns out there are several answers to that. The belief that your desktop should work all the time comes from the dawn of the computer era, the 1980s. Back then, computers were made of different materials, and frequently turning them off and back on could potentially damage them. Today, there's no such problem, and you can freely switch your desktop or laptop on and off without much harm. Still, when you turn on your computer, it triggers a little power surge that creates some stress on the system. It isn't likely to be hard on your electricity bill, but could still cause some inconvenience. Others argue that when your device is shut down, it saves more energy than you spend when it turns back on with that surge. So the situation seems dubious at best. It becomes clearer when you realize that modern computers, be it laptops, desktops, or tablets, are specially designed not to be turned completely off. Engineers have taken note of how inconvenient it is to close all the apps you have running, save and close all your work, and shut down only to wait until the device boots when you switch it back on again. If you have a solid-state drive, it might be fast, but with a conventional hard drive, boot-up could take a lot of time, especially if it's old. Many of the computer parts have moving parts of their own, and they need time to get up to speed. When you shut down your device, it first closes all the programs running on it for all users. That means all the documents you were working on will have to be opened again and those two dozen tabs in your browser will close too. Modern browsers allow you to begin where you left off, even after a shutdown, of course, but that'll still require some time. When everything's closed, the computer turns off all that's left and clears its running memory. It sweeps all the bits and pieces of programs, leaving your system spick and span. This allows it to perform better next time. If you don't turn it off, many programs will leave traces of themselves that are going to accumulate, slowing down your system. So it's either shut down the computer and wait until it boots up again, or leave it on, like forever, right? Nope. There are several things you can do as well. They are hibernation and sleep mode. Both of them allow you to leave your computer on and save your work while reducing energy consumption. You can access them from the power settings both on Windows and Mac. Sleep mode conserves energy a bit worse than hibernation, but it allows your computer to start up almost immediately. 
it puts everything that's open on your device into RAM or random access memory, which is responsible for current activities on the PC or laptop. When a process is within RAM, it means you can access it right away and it won't need time to load. Then your device goes into power-saving mode and pauses all activity. To exit this state, just press a key or click your mouse or pop your cheek like this. Now that won't work. Just kidding. Your computer will come alive again. In some systems, though, you may need to press the power button again. Hibernation is a deeper sleep mode that doesn't use any energy at all just like when you shut it down, but it takes more time to shake off. In this state, your computer copies everything you have open to the hard drive instead of RAM, and only then falls into a slumber. Like I said, hard drives have moving parts that need to gain some spin before you can use them. That's why your computer is slower to wake up from hibernation. If you have an SSD, though, you shouldn't even notice the difference from sleep mode since it boots up much faster. Take note that in the most recent systems, there's no obvious choice between sleep and hibernation when you click the power settings. You can check which one your device is using by going to the system settings. On Windows 10, you can only use sleep mode by default, and to add hibernation, you'll need to open the taskbar and type power options. Click on the first control panel that pops up and select choose what the power buttons do on the left-hand panel. Next, click Change Settings that are currently unavailable. In the shutdown settings at the bottom of the screen, tick the box next to Hibernate. On Mac, you'll have a different default mode for desktop and portable computers, sleep mode for desktops, and hibernation for laptops. Both have been chosen for better performance, so you don't need to change them. You can still do that, though, but it will require administrator rights and tampering with the system, so use this option at your own risk. I don't want you to end up with a computer that doesn't wake up anymore, so no, I won't tell you about that. On Mac laptops, there's also an option to enter a standby mode. The device will automatically enter this state after 3 hours of sleeping if there's nothing connected to it, including the charger. It's convenient because it will conserve energy for up to 30 days if everything's perfect. It still uses some charge though, so don't hold it for too long. With that many options to choose from, shutting down your computer at all may seem redundant, but it's not. Remember I said that upon shutdown, the machine clears the memory? If you don't do that from time to time, you'll get stuck with a slow and sleepy device at some point. Programs it runs all the time will leave a lot of trash under the hood. They will take up important space and prohibit other stuff you run from accessing it. That game you launched a couple of days ago will leave little bits of data to help you start it faster next time. But if you run another program, it might need the space the game has taken. It will eventually find where it can save its own data, but it's going to take more and more time the longer you keep your computer turned on. Shutting down the device will solve the problem in most cases. But keeping your data safe while your computer is on is tricky because there can be power surges or outages. It's mostly okay for laptops, since they simply switch from plugged-in mode to autonomous mode. But if you own a desktop computer, you're in for an unpleasant surprise when you come back. Make sure to buy a UPS or uninterruptible power supply to save you from headache in case of a power outage. It's a device that will provide an emergency power load to your computer if the main power suddenly isn't there for some reason. Sounds like a generator, but unlike one, a UPS turns on almost instantly, so your device won't forcefully shut down. 
On the downside, it only has a charge for several minutes, so you'll have to be quick to turn off your computer yourself. Or, if you do have an auxiliary generator, it'll have enough time to switch on to save you the trouble. So, if you learned something new today, then give the video a like and share it with a friend. And here are some other videos I think you'll enjoy. Okay, so some more interesting info about computers. So that will conclude our computer uh, section of the show. So, yeah, I learned some uh, things there about hibernation and sleep and the difference between the two. So um, I hope that you have too. All right, so now we're going on to the second segment of the show. I'm going to talk about... Um, buying timeshares. You know, buy a timeshare or not to buy a timeshare? That is the question. Timeshares have always uh, had a bad reputation attached to them, which is probably responsible for some companies having such aggressive sales tactics towards potential buyers. Um, so much so that it's become a joke. You know, like, I don't know if you've seen some sitcoms, they would have some jokes about timeshares. I remember this one uh, on King of Queens. I don't know how many of you uh, watched that show. But there was an episode when Doug and Carrie are on vacation and Doug is offered a TV or a piece of jewelry. I think he could probably select from one or the other, to attend a timeshare presentation. So, of course, with his eye on the TV, uh, he and Carrie go to the presentation. Now, another couple is there and becomes fast friends with Doug and Carrie. So, after the presentation, they meet the other couple for drinks and dinner, and then they come to find out that the couple is actually the uh, timeshare sales representatives. They weren't interested in being friends, but they wanted to continue to try to sell Doug and Carrie, uh, you know, on the timeshare, even after the presentation. And so for the rest of their vacation, <laughs> the couple stalks them and, you know, uh, follows them and hounds them for the rest of their vacation. So, I mean, that was a pretty funny episode, but what if that happens on your vacation? So, later, you'll hear about a couple who had extremely aggressive sales tactics aimed at them while they were on vacation. And it took like $450 to lure them to one of these presentations. All right, so... Uh, so we'll listen to a plethora of information about timeshares, but first let's listen to what is a timeshare and what pitfalls may have to be navigated in order to own and or exit a timeshare. So let's go ahead and take a listen to the first video. What is a timeshare and how does it work? Now this was um, posted by Island Packet. And so hopefully when I press this button, what has to be there uh, should be there. So let's take a listen. Timeshares are marketed to those who want to own a vacation property, but either can't afford it or don't want to deal with all of the cost and maintenance associated with a second home. Here's how it works. 
there are two types of timeshare contracts, deeded and leased. Deeded timeshares grant partial ownership of a unit, but only guarantee use of the unit for a set amount of time each year. The deed is shared with other timeshare owners. Each person claims some ownership and is usually allotted a specific week or weeks to use the property. Because the deed is shared, it isn't treated like typical home ownership. Not only are owners limited to an allotted time slot to use the property, but maintenance and upkeep are shared among the owners. A person can't make any major changes to the unit unless permission is granted by all members of the timeshare. Deeded timeshares do give owners the right to rent, sell, exchange, or bequeath the timeshare. Owners are also responsible for paying whatever monthly mortgage and maintenance fees are listed in the contract. With a leased timeshare, the deed is held by the resort owner, but each timeshare user pays a lease to rent the property. It's similar to the deeded timeshares because owners are typically allotted a certain week or weeks of the year to use the timeshare. With both deeded and leased timeshares, Owners either own or lease the property for a set amount of years, or are under contract for life, or at least until they sell their portion of the timeshare. Not all timeshares give you a set week or weeks to use the property. Those are called fixed week timeshares. A single timeshare unit can be owned or leased by up to 52 different people, the number of weeks in a year. All right, so that gives you a little idea on how timeshares work. And it might be a good idea if you go to the same place for vacation year after year and you have a set week that you go, um, you know, that might be a viable option. Now, I have an article here. It's called Trouble in Timeshare Paradise by Barbara Peterson. This came from the December issue of Consumer Report magazine. And it pretty much talks about uh, learning how to avoid common and costly pitfalls and find out why timeshare exit companies may be nothing more than scams. More than 9 million U.S. households own some type of timeshare, according to estimates from the American Resort Development Association, ARDA, which represents the timeshare industry. These can be a stake in a property that entitles the owner to use it for a defined period of time or a points-based program that offers more flexibility. Timeshares uh, combine resort-style amenities with accommodations that usually feature a kitchen and two or more bedrooms. Hilton Grand Vacations and Marriott Vacations Worldwide report that in 2018, sales worldwide were up 10.6% and 8% respectively. ARDA says its survey shows that 85% of timeshare owners characterize their experience as good, very good, or excellent. Still, a timeshare can be difficult to unload, in part because of a lack of demand for older ones on the resale market. The going rate on the timeshare users group where used timeshares are listed for sale is about 10% or less of the original purchase price. 
rising maintenance costs are helping to fuel the timeshare exit business. The fee increases are usually kept to less than 5% a year, but that can add up quickly over time. So seller beware. There are two types of exit companies, resale firms, which claim they can sell your timeshare and relief companies, which promise to release you from your contract and annual maintenance bills. Some do what they say, but scammers abound, according to the FTC and the Better Business Bureau. So how can you tell them apart? Demanding a large fee in advance is a huge red flag, and another is if a company claims to be a law firm or says it works closely with lawyers but doesn't identify them. So be sure to check out the bona fides of any licensed attorneys who are involved. In most cases, clients of these companies never receive the promised service or they pay a substantial sum for something they could have done themselves for far less money. So, making a graceful exit. As part of a 2016 settlement with the state of Arizona on behalf of disgruntled timeshare owners Diamond Resorts, a timeshare company with 380 affiliated resorts in 33 states and 32 countries, established a program that allows certain consumers to relinquish fully paid but unwanted timeshares with no further obligations. Marriott Vacations Worldwide, Club Wyndham, and other timeshare companies have also made it easier for owners to do the same thing. But for consumers who feel chained to their timeshare by a contract they can't break, there are strategies to help you part ways. So ask the corporate owner about a deed back program. As noted, some operators will now help owners unload their shares, but you may be on the hook for maintenance fees while they seek to resell the unit. Sell it or give it away on an open forum. Numerous online forums and websites exist for owners seeking buyers for their shares, among the most active is eBay, where the keyword timeshare will turn up hundreds of list- listings. You can also find them on Craigslist, the Timeshare Users Group, and Red Week. Be sure to hire an attorney to prepare or at least review all paperwork related to the transaction. And given the weakness of the secondary market, be prepared to take a significant loss. But at the very least, you'll get closure. Suspend maintenance payments. Though it's not a recommended strategy, you could stop making these payments as a last resort. Doing so could lead to foreclosure, damaging your credit score for uh, up to seven years and possible legal action. But some owners may find this approach to be the lesser of two evils. So, what to know before buying a timeshare? Timeshares, also known as vacationing ownership plans, have evolved since they were first marketed in the 1960s and 70s, commonly as a fixed week at a specific resort. Today, there are also floating week timeshares that let you pick different weeks each year and points-based plans that let you book stays of varying lengths at different resorts, among other types. 
Okay, so some established names, including Disney, Hilton, Marriott, and Wyndham, sell timeshares, but all vacationing ownership plans come with a unique set of concerns. So keep these things in mind. Weigh the cost. The average price of a timeshare is $21,455, which buys you the use of a property for one week each year, according to a recent survey by the American Resort Development Association, ARDA. You can pay a fraction of the purchase price of a new timeshare by buying one secondhand on websites like eBay or on dedicated timeshare sites such as Red Week and the Timeshare Users Group. Now, the annual maintenance fees average $1,000 according to ARDA, but can climb to more than $3,000, and that's a year. So timeshares don't appreciate in value, but if you hold on to one long enough, at least 13 years, according to a 2016 Consumer Reports estimate, you can begin to save on what you would have spent taking similar vacations on your own. So, also consider the hassle factor. Um, if you buy a floating week timeshare, you may have to reserve your vacation 9 to 12 months in advance to get a desirable location. Points-only plans offer the most flexibility. You can vary both the length of the stay and the locale. But planning is essential to getting your money's worth. And if you bought a timeshare because it was cheap and the hope of swapping it for stays at nicer properties uh, via membership platforms like RCI, you may be out of luck. If you're not thrilled about staying there, you probably won't get many takers. And one last thing, avoid an impulse buy. Many timeshares are bought by people on vacation. There may be a brief window as, uh, of as many as 15 days to back out, depending on the state. Arizona recently increased its window to 10 days, while also requiring sellers to more clearly disclose the nature of the purchase. Always insist on time to think it over, away from pina colada parties. <laughs> so that gives you a little bit of Consumer Reports point of view on timeshares. So I have another uh, audio from video. It's called, Is Buying a Timeshare Ever a Good Idea? This was posted by Money Talks News. So let's take a listen. So we here at The Verge love electric rideables. Hoverboards, skateboards, scooters. All right, so that happened to me again where it aired something. <laughs> Jeez, oh man. I'm really confused now. All right, so I've got to go back and reload what I was going to post. So maybe I ought to start restarting my pad here so that this doesn't, uh, happen again. So let me reload it. Okay, so we're gonna try it again. So I think for the next show we'll try restarting the pad and see if this same problem happens. So let's go ahead and try that again. 
Well, you probably heard that turning your computer off for the night can be harmful for it. <laughs> yep, see, it's, it's like really, really having a hard time with this today. So let me try this one more time. Because if I have to do this for every other video that I have, it's going to be a good, not a good time. All right, so let's try this one more time. Hey guys, and welcome to your two-minute money manager. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson, and this answer is brought to you by MoneyTalksNews.com, serving up the best in personal finance news and advice since 1991. Today's question comes to us from Sam. Sam says, regarding timeshares, is there ever a good deal on a timeshare? Making the purchase a wise decision? Sam's obviously read what I've said about timeshares in the past. I am a hater of timeshares. I'll tell you that right now. I've gotten so many people over the years uh, have contacted me and said, what do I do? I can't get out of this thing. These are high pressure things that are often sold to people who can't afford them and later want to get out and they can't. That's why I hate them. Now, let's get back to Sam's question, though. I've got three things for you, Sam. Thing one, let's understand the different types of timeshares. You can actually get a deeded timeshare that's like a piece of real estate. So it's real property that you can actually pass down to your heirs and whatnot. More common these days, though, is something that's personal property, and it's timeshare points where you can go and go to any different timeshares around the country and stuff like that. You know, they're vacation interval plans is what they're called. So these are the two types of timeshares that you're going to see out there. Thing number two, these things are not, repeat, not an investment. I want to read to you directly from the FTC website, okay? The value of these things is in their use as a vacation destination, not an investment. Because so many timeshares and vacation interval plans are available, listen to this, the resale value of yours is likely to be a good deal lower than what you paid. Okay, guys, so this is not a way to make money. It's not a way to break even. It's a way for you to vacation with your family, but it's not, don't consider it an investment because it certainly is not one. And that leads me to thing number three. As you can tell, I'm not a fan of these things. Uh, if you are going to buy one, buy it on the secondary market. There's all kinds of people out there who will literally give you their timeshare. Why? Because these things have giant maintenance fees. You may pay $1,000 a year for the maintenance fee on the one week that you have uh, in your timeshare. And some people can't afford that anymore. They don't want to go. They don't want to do it anymore. They're just trying to get out from under that maintenance fee. And if you do get a timeshare, for God's sake, don't borrow money to do it. Because that'll make it virtually impossible for you to get out. Now, there are going to be exceptions to this, okay? Don't send me hate mail. There's probably a timeshare somewhere that people are clamoring to buy on the secondary market. And it's gone up in value and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, it's super, super rare. So buy it on the secondary market. Do not borrow money ever to buy a timeshare. And you might just find yourself with a timeshare really, really cheap if you look at that secondary market. Where do you go? There's a couple of websites. Redweek.com is one. And uh, TUG, which is Timeshare Users Group, is another one. I believe that their web address is um, tug2.net. TUG, T-U-G, number two, .net. I think that's right. Yeah, it is. Okay, so there's your advice on timeshares. You can also read a lot more about them and why I hate them by going to moneytalksnews.com and just doing a search for timeshares. I hope that answers your question, and I'll see you right here next time. Okay, so hopefully that... Uh 
actually reinforced what this article said. So let's go on to four reasons you should never buy a timeshare with John Adams. This was posted by Fox 5 Atlanta. So let's take a listen. Bulls reap the benefits of ownership, right? But the reality is things don't always work out that way. And here to unravel the good, the bad, and especially the ugly of timeshares is real estate expert John Adams. John, how you doing, man? I am, I am well today, thank you, but I freely admit that I am prejudiced against timeshares. It's a great marketing concept. Unfortunately, it's not a particularly good real estate investment. Well, we appreciate your full disclosure right here at the very front of this. Okay, <laughs> okay. so the concept, though, it seems like it could make a lot of sense, right? You spread out the cost among a bunch of ownership um, and families, and then everybody's a winner in this, right? It I, seems it, like it should work. It sure seems that way. And uh, last year, the average uh, timeshare sold for about $20,000. You put $5,000 down and make payments of maybe $150 a month. And then once a year, you pay $850 for maintenance. And you get a full week at, in heaven that is free, essentially. Right. Well, if you it's run the free. numbers, it's <laughs> not free. And if you take $20,000, multiply it by 50 owners, you got a million dollars. A million dollars is a lot of money, yeah, even is. at the beach. And then that $850 as uh, a maintenance fee, multiply that by 50 weeks. Somebody's making a lot of money here, and it's not you. Yeah. So that's you part of it. on the other end of the timeshare, the I developer or the owner, the, right? The, that's who makes the money on these <laughs> All right, things. so we talk about four major problems with this. Let's break them down. What's, I, what's I think there one? are. The first problem that I have with timeshares is they are terribly complex. Unlike buying a house, which is very... Um, standardized and we all do it and the paperwork's pretty much all the same. With these uh, timeshares, they're extremely complex. You absolutely need an attorney and even then you may not fully understand what your obligations are. You've got 52 owners of what's essentially an apartment and, and what if somebody wants to bring their pet? Well, do we take pets? What mm -hmm. if somebody wants to paint the kitchen green? Do we want the kitchen green? Who makes these decisions? The answers are not clear. And anytime you have 52 people, I assure you, <laughs> you're going to have 52 opinions. Yeah, no doubt about that. And it makes for, uh, it, it just causes controversy. It just does not work. Number two, things just, life happens, right? I mean, that week may not work out for you every year for the rest of your life. You know, when you are... 25 and you've just won a free vacation to mm -hmm. Puerto Vallarta or, or someplace, Cabo San Lucas, and you're, uh, uh, you're staying at this really nice place and they say, wow, you just signed this thing, you get to come back every year for free for the rest of your life. The problem is you're not going to be 25 forever. You may not want to be in Cabo San Lucas at once a year for mm -hmm. the rest of your life and this time may not work out for you. Um, our lives change, we have children, we move, we, we have different things, stages in our lives. Right. And committing now to a specific week on St. Simon's Island for the rest of your life every year, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a tall call. I haven't even committed to this summer yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, <laughs> number right. three, they don't generate income. You know, we talk about in real estate, there are five key characteristics we're looking for. Income, depreciation, appreciation, equity buildup, and leverage. 
Okay, that was real quick, but those are the five key characteristics of a real estate investment. With, with a timeshare, you get none of those. There's no leverage, there is, is no income. You, if you're allowed to not go at all, I mean, you don't have to go, obviously, mm -hmm. but you are not necessarily guaranteed the right to rent that. It, they would have to do that for you. They're going to take half of that rental if they allow it in the first place. Right. So the income is just not there. You're losing money on this deal from beginning to end. But at least they're easy to sell. That sell, right? That's number four. They're easy to unload, right? That's the problem. <laughs> if, if there's a reason that $5,000 that you pay uh, up front, all of that goes to the marketing mm -hmm. cost. The guy that pressured you, he gets that $5,000. <laughs> and the reality is when you decide that you want to sell, there's a huge resale market and almost no takers. And that's because one reason is they're building millions of new ones all the time. The market is flooded. People don't know that until after they've purchased. It's just not a good investment at any level. That's what we learned today. John Adams says don't buy a timeshare. That's right. All right, John, thanks a lot. And John's going to be here for the next hour to answer all of your real estate questions on our Fox 5 Atlanta Facebook page. So you definitely want to take advantage of that. Hey, 20 is your all right, so there's arguments against the timeshare. Now, here's a, some audio from a video that describes why you might not want to go to one of these presentations when you're on vacation. Now, he did mention that the market is flooded and aggressive sales tactics are used to uh, go ahead and sell you one. And here's a, couple's, uh, a couple recounts their timeshare nightmare uh, as a warning to vacationers uh, what they experienced at a presentation, so let's take a listen. Well, chances are you've been approached on vacation to attend a timeshare presentation, but one California couple says the salespeople took it too far. KCAL9's Curtis Ming tonight traveled to Mexico investigating how far some resorts are going to get your signature. Taking in the beauty, vacationing in Puerto Vallarta, Pete and Susie High of Auburn say they were offered 450 bucks to sit through a 90-minute timeshare presentation, shuttled north of town to the luxurious Puerto Bahia villas and spa. That was the start of the nightmare. That 90 minutes they say turned into eight excruciating hours of rotating and relentless salespeople pressuring them. And they were persuasive and they kept pushing us and pushing us and, and we'd say no and they'd say something else. Why didn't you leave? We were waiting to get what they promised us. 450 bucks. 5,000 pesos, right? Then the couple says without asking, a glass of red wine showed up for her and it's already cracked open can of beer for him. And you drank it? I drank it. Why'd you drink it? I was thirsty. Six hours at this point, we're sitting there. Both say soon after sipping on those drinks, they started feeling funny. I felt sick. And then and he just be, was like in a trance. He's just sitting there, like glassy, just. Next thing they knew, they were initialing page after page, agreeing to open up credit cards for the nearly $22,000 down payment. I cannot look at myself in the mirror anymore. Rafael Cochet sold timeshares at Puerto Bahia. I feel dirty and ashamed. This is his home video. The bottom sales room where they qualify people. And pictures of sales meetings where he says they were instructed to tell customers anything to close the deal. You do whatever it is you need to do to get the sale. He didn't sell to Pete and Susie, but says booze was regularly brought to the negotiation table without people asking. You know, after four hours of not drinking, not eating, 
half a beer, you're starting to feel buzzed. He even recalls salespeople pretending to be buyers, staging a signing. As part of the fake celebration, he says champagne was passed out to everybody in the room, even non-drinkers. They purposely use alcohol to get people to a point where they can't think straight anymore. They're tired, they're exhausted, can't think straight. That's when you zero in like a vulture and take advantage of them. It's the Wild West out there. Brian Rogers runs a website that claims it provides the truth about timeshares. People have posted similar stories online about other presentations in Mexico, some even claiming they were drugged, like this person who said the room spun a little and everything became vague and kind of numb or zombie-like. People have claimed that they, uh, uh, you know, felt lightheaded or, or felt woozy or felt otherwise intoxicated. We hopped a plane to Mexico to investigate and learn Mexico has a consumer protection agency called Profeco. How aggressive are these salespeople? Very aggressive. Gabriela Cervantes with Profeco spends her days fielding timeshare complaints, but claims she has never heard of people being given alcohol or getting drugged during negotiations. Does that surprise you? Yes. You've never heard of that before? No. The morning after signing all of this paperwork, Pete and Susie say they called their credit card company to cancel those cards. They also came here to the Profeco office in Puerto Vallarta. That's where they learned under Mexican law they had five days to cancel their contract. The couple hand-delivered to Puerto Bahia this cancellation letter Profeco wrote for them in Spanish. But once they got home, the dozens of collection calls started, threatening legal action if they didn't pay. Profeco's Gabriela admits she's heard quite a few complaints about Puerto Bahia. The process for cancel, in my experience, is not that easy with them. So I took the 30-minute cab ride north of Puerto Vallarta, up a hill to Puerto Bahia. Two workers escort me on a golf cart into the resort, which is tucked in the jungle overlooking the Pacific. Do you normally serve alcohol during these presentations? Uh, no, that I know. Salesperson Elizabeth Rocha told me alcohol is only served once people sign up as a celebration. Do you ever try to get people drunk? No. So they sign? No. No. Do you think these people are making this up? A, uh... Jesus, I'm not on, on their head. I, don't, I cannot answer for you. We showed her the cancellation letter delivered to them way back in 2013. Why wouldn't that have happened by now? It's been more than a year. It's more than a year. <laughs> I don't know. But reminding her of the cancellation law in Mexico, I pressed her to fix it. Now that we brought this to your attention, will you help these people? Absolutely, answer? yes. You did more in two weeks and we were able to get done in 17 months. Relief. The same feeling Rafael got leaving his job at Puerto Bahia after just one month. I feel dirty that I even participated. And if, if I could go to all the different people that I sold timeshares, I would love to apologize to them. Pete and Susie say they will return to Puerto Vallarta, but won't sit through another timeshare presentation. Although they did walk away with what initially got them to Puerto Bahia in the first place. They did give you the 450 bucks. Was it worth it? No. no. <laughs> Curtis Bing, KCAL 9 News. All right, so that gives you a little bit of a insight as to if you are invited to these presentations while you are on vacation, you probably would just behoove you to just say no thank you no matter what they offer you, a piece of jewelry, a TV, $450, it's probably not going to be worth it. All right, so... We have come to the end of our show. Um, if you have any comments or questions about what you just heard on the show, anything about the computer updates, 
uh, turning off your computer every night, or anything about timeshares, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you have any uh, ideas, you can contact me in the same way. So, this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Inc. Heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. I'm Diane Rebecca, wishing everyone a safe and good week.